Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 323rd edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Matt Perkins. And a fly route across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. Hey, Matt, what's going on, man? Uh, how are you doing? Dude, I'm, I'm I'm hanging in there, man. I'm hanging in there. Uh, no Josh tonight. He's busy being uh, a good uh, teacher at uh parent teacher conferences or something like that tonight open house i don't know trying to trying to make those kids smarter uh so good for him <laughs> he can't be here with us so you're just stuck with the two music city uh dwellers here uh on the illegal motion podcast uh part of mike farrell sports and presented by betonline.ag where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs you name it they've got it over there at bet online head it on over to the website use your mobile device to sign up today receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first uh wager with their promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v bet online where the game starts let's get started coach uh we're gonna yep. have uh, probably a little bit of an abbreviated episode here tonight with just the two of us <laughs> and <laughs> Um, a whole lot going on in the college football world that we want to get to, but we will start like we do every week. One big takeaway from the previous weekend. Uh, and sometimes at the end of the segment, uh, when we do uh, one, uh, one for the road, you guys will do two or three for the road. I'm doing two big takeaways from this weekend or three big takeaways. I should say from this weekend, I'm going to start. I have egg on my face. Uh, I got up here in this exact space last week and extolled the virtues of Louisville, how well they played under uh, first-year head coach Jeff Brom, how great everything was going there. And uh, they got the the Perkins stink on them last week. They played their sloppiest game of the year against uh, Pitt at Pitt. You, you know Pitt's always good for a couple upsets every year. And Louisville couldn't get out of their own way. They only had three turnovers. And the reason I say only is because they actually had five fumbles, but only one of them was recovered by Pitt. Otherwise, that number could have been much, much higher. They had bad special teams play, missed field goals. And the wheels just completely came off in the second half. Uh, You know, they were up 21-14 at halftime. And then Pitt... Turned, uh, flipped the switch and scored the last 24 points of the game all in the second half. Defense really bowed up. So good for Pitt, bad for me and our friends up there uh, in the Bluegrass State. Uh, they turn out to be very not for real. Um, but speaking of show curses, eh, Matt, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that I read too much into that uh, because anytime you get a team like what Louisville has done and the reason why they're ready to move on from Scott Satterfield is because of these inconsistent swings, these wild swings. And they were probably more uh, valleys than peaks uh, under Satterfield. But like anytime you get a new situation and you get some of the funk from last year, you're going to see some of that stuff. Pitt does bring that out in a lot of teams mm-hmm. as well. That's one of Pat Narduzzi's specialties, but um, uh, unless they do it two, three weeks in a row, and that becomes their identity. I wouldn't read too much into it. Every team in their first year is is uh, they're, they're due for a stinker, and this was 
Louisville stinker. I mean, you look at every great team, even Nick Saban had some stinkers in his first year at Alabama. Kirby Smart had some, yeah. Kirby Smart uh, barely beating the worst team in FCS by two points his his uh, first year and getting boat raced by Ole Miss, by, by a mediocre Ole Miss team that year. Um, you have uh, – You have you know, this year's Wisconsin team who looked mm-hmm. absolutely pathetic against Iowa this past week in Luke Fickle's first year, and they're hoping mm-hmm. that is just a bump in the road and not a trend. So which yeah, is one of the so other games I want to talk about here. Just eyes peeled. Yeah, and I still have a lot of faith in Louisville. I still think Jeff Brom's doing a great job. I wouldn't let this game I – w- I wouldn't read too, too, too much into it. Now, if they don't – like I said, if this becomes a trend, then maybe maybe we'll talk. But we'll, we'll see in like two or three weeks. Well, uh, I talked about the Perkins stink a second ago. Uh, mm-hmm. The entire show was on Notre Dame last week, which was a really bad sign for the Irish. But they came through. They came through big time. And honestly, like they beat down, like completely beat down USC. Their defense just – played uh an elite game 20 mm-hmm. uh, usc only scoring 20 points is an elite game caleb williams three picks only one touchdown elite play by the defense all they around harassed him all freaking night long yeah we will talk about usc a little bit more later when we preview another one of this weekend's games but the one other thing that quickly uh was a takeaway for me is that that process, that transition into a new coach, sometimes it's going to take a little bit longer than you want. If you want uh, Wisconsin, just absolutely crapped the bed against Iowa. Uh, Iowa managed to win despite having 37 yards passing against Wisconsin. That's bad. Yeah. It, it, I think it was six for, six for 17 was the final. Six for 17 for 37 yards, I think, was the final stat line. Don't quote me exactly. If you want to hear my full reaction about that, head over to Believe in Badgers. Two shows this week talking about it, one with Bernie and one with uh, former Badger All-American Brian Calhoun. But uh, what's going to happen is that Iowa's going to go 11-1 and on the regular season, and they're going to make the Big Ten championship game. And Brian Ferentz is still going to have a job because of it. They won't hit that, that, uh, that 325 points number, and it still won't matter because they'll be 11-1. and yeah, it's crazy. Defense and special teams and them scoring just barely enough points to, to eke out wins is going to give you kind of a very false sense of hope about the Iowa Hawkeyes. I, I did notice that because it ain't like they lit the world on fire either. I mean, it was just a very sloppy game. The weather conditions didn't do you any favors either, but, um, you know, albeit the rain held off, it was still very, very windy. And so it just – it's going to take one or two recruiting classes and and maybe a a couple of trips into the portal to kind of build your team the way that this coaching staff needs it to be built. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Again, want my full thoughts over unbelieving Badgers. We have plus Brian Calhoun and Bernie talking about the entire first half of the season with Fick that just dropped earlier today as we record this on a Thursday night. Uh, Corey, what was your takeaway from? from last weekend what's the thing that's still sticking with you well i learned what tightrope surgery kind of is i don't know the full extent of what it is but it is a surgery to help you um recover faster from a high ankle sprain and brock bowers is going to have tightrope surgery so he'll be out three to six weeks Uh, that was a huge blow uh i i learned i took away that um george is just going to ebb and flow based on the quality of their opponent um they got they got up on 
the uh, on level twelve for Kentucky, and they've got down to Vandy's level, and they're just going to kind of they're just going to kind of go through the season that way. So I got to take that for what it's worth, and just hope they keep collecting wins and make it to the SEC championship and don't get shut out. Um, so I took that away. Um, I was I'm impressed by how Arkansas is playing versus what their record is because they play so hard. They play – K.J. Jefferson's a special, special dude. I just feel like he's being wasted away by Dan Enos. Um, I really, really, really like the Washington Huskies. Um, Kalen DeBoer's doing a phenomenal job there with mm-hmm. that team. Um, and uh, you think that uh, Washington won that game or that Oregon lost that game <clears> on bad coaching? Because Landing in his press conference afterwards said loss is 100% on him. He made a lot of – questionable fourth down decisions that led to the ducks not getting as many you know points opportunities as they probably should have yeah but they were i mean i don't know i mean yeah he's gonna say that but um you know what what else is he gonna say but i i I don't know i i think it's a little bit of both i mean those fourth down a lot you know going forward on fourth down and some of those questionable decisions didn't help but then again they led most of the game so like they did mm-hmm. a lot of things right and then washington had to capitalize at some point and they did and you knew yeah. they were going to capitalize on one of those at home uh, just because of the environment they were in but i don't think it takes anything away from what washington did i don't think it you know i, I think it was a really good game between two really good teams and minute details like that are factors yeah when, they when absolutely two, are when you have two equally matched teams, whether they're two really bad teams or two really good teams, if they're equally matched, it's the small things that kind of drive the game. And 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 for for that particular game, it it was it was the fourth down, uh, fourth down opportunities and uh, Oregon not being as successful as they wanted to be. So, um, but Penix, man, he came through. Bo Nix had a, had a great game. Both defenses played well uh, when they had to, and um, man, it was just a very very entertaining game. It was a, a lot of fun to watch that game. Um, and I, I you know a lot of times I feel like in like these big like marquee games, we get a little bit of a letdown, especially if it's a team, you know, some teams mm-hmm. that haven't been there a ton for a while. Washington really hasn't been there like this for a while. And it was not a letdown at all. In fact, it was the exact opposite. It was the biggest game of the weekend that ended up coming through in the biggest way on the weekend. And so we can only hope that this coming weekend uh, we see – more of the same there are four just truly outstanding matchups i think two two that are off the charts um mm-hmm. that we're, we're gonna get to here uh right now to are you talking about lsu army i'm not talking about lsu army although oh. i think uh you know uh, the our, our our boys in uh in, in the service may give the tigers a little bit more than they bargained for even though it's not exactly a banner year for um the men i think they cover i on sec after dark i picked them to cover really it's a 30 point spread i don't think with the new clock rules and the way they hold on to the ball i I don't know i don't know Mm -hmm. i don't know that that unless lsu just scores really quickly (laughs) yeah unless lsu gets up early and army's trying to play from behind like if, if LSU gets a big early army trying to play from behind but even then it's not like they're going to completely quit their offensive scheme yeah, I I think, you know, a, a team like Army, I, I think if you get – I think if it's a tight game, 
maybe, but like if you get down big, you're just going to do what you do at that point. It's going to be like, okay, well, we're, we're getting, to, we're getting the hell beat out of us. So let's just do what we do, you know? And, you know, to a certain point. All right. I think that's enough on LSU Army for us here today. Uh, let's get into <laughs> the actual good stuff this weekend. Believe uh, in that- Army. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that's a different shot. I don't know. I don't know if we have that here on the network, but it might be. It's if there is a, a an army football show, I believe it would be here on the Believe Network. The game, though, I'm a little bit more interested in is Penn State at Ohio State. Finally, feels like October, Coach. Big Ten mm-hmm. matchup that is in effect a playoff, playoff elimination game between these two Big Ten East games. Got two first year starters at quarterback, two elite edge rushers. And I think most importantly, two coaches who are under extreme, some would say inappropriately high pressure uh, in terms of Ryan Day. And if you look at his record and people talk about him being on the hot seat, if they lose to Michigan this year, James Franklin's done an outstanding job at Penn State. They are definitely trending in the right direction, but he still seems to feel a lot of heat every year. And that's just kind of probably just comes with the expectations of those two programs. Mm -hmm. So Corey, the way I want to frame this one is who do you think is under more pressure to win this game? Ryan Day or James Franklin and why? Definitely Ryan Day um, because of what happened last year in the Peach Bowl, how he got so close, how he gets so close every year and just gets just gets beat in these huge games. I mean, you can see that he's feeling the pressure because he he wanted he tried to call out and, and fight Lou Holtz, you know, um, and and things like that. Like, I, I just think the Ohio state fans are already kind of fed up with him. And I, I think losing to Penn state or getting even boat raced by Penn state, which is also possible would be almost the straw that broke the camel's back. I, I think both guys are under immense pressure all the time, just because of where they're at. James Franklin also puts a lot of pressure on himself and he creates some of that. Um, but I, I think Penn state fans, I, I think, they would be lying to you if if any of them told you that James James Franklin was a bad coach because he's doing a tremendous job there um, with where he started and and the program that he's built and the fact that they have these expectations speak speak volumes. I don't think that any of them would say would, he's a bad coach, but I think they would say he has underachieved. And I actually think that this game is more important for James Franklin because Ryan Day at the end of the year, at the end of the season, it all that really matters is if they beat Michigan. If they lose to Penn State and they beat Michigan, things will be okay for Ryan Day. But this, in a lot of Penn State circles and Penn State people I've talked to say that you know this season in a lot of ways is make or break for james franklin it's you know the best talent he's probably amassed they have their most complete team they've ever had under his Mm. tenure the quarterback is the highest better than the better than the trace mcsorley saquon barkley rose bowl team the defense is better. The defense is much better. You look at the with with chop robinson and all those parsons on that team too I don't think so. I would have to go back and check. They might have, but I don't believe that they did uh, off the top of my head. I bet our friend Kyle Golick uh, would know. Shout out to you, Kyle. I know that you uh, you would know that one. But I think that this game really actually matters more for, um, for James Franklin because of just all of, you know, he hasn't gotten over the hump at all 
in, in terms of his record against Ohio State and Michigan. And that's who he has to be. And that's what this job really is. And if if not now, when, I guess, for Penn State, because it's it's not getting any easier. They're getting the, the conference just becomes tougher next year with no divisions and four ranked teams joining the conference. Yeah, I mean, that's true. So like I, I said, picked, so I, you know, I picked Penn State at the beginning of the year to win the East. And so I'm picking them to win this game as well. Mm-hmm. I think this, I think Saturday is the signature moment for this program in the post Paterno era. Sorry to bore you with that take there, coach. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just always tired. I always yawn <laughs> at this time of night. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's no wrong answer here when you ask who's, who's got more pressure. Well, who do you think is going to win? I think Penn State's going to win. Okay, so you're with me then on on Penn State mm-hmm. pulling it out this yeah, weekend. Okay, I, I think they win. I think they hold up. I, I think their defense is ridiculous, and I, I don't know that I don't know that Ryan Day and, and that offense is going to have any answers. And I, the reason I say he's under the, the the last reason I say he's under more pressure is because it's at home. You get boat mm-hmm. raced by Penn State at home. You think it's going to get really loud there. Or really quiet, which is more dangerous. Well, it's going to get really loud on Monday. That's what and qui- I was saying quiet in the horseshoe, except for the Penn yeah. State fans uh, who have who have quiet. Made it's going to get over. quiet on Saturday and loud on Monday. Well, a place that it is pretty much always loud, especially uh, come the third Saturday in October. You know where that is. Is Nick, is Nick Saban uh, on the hot seat? No, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, Nick Saban still not on the hot seat. I don't care what. Uh, there, what any yeah. caller on the fine oh, bomb show God. says. Yeah. Jeez. But, That's so ridiculous. Uh, this game, th- this rivalry that was, you know, that, that has been on and off an excellent rivalry and one that has had some serious duds in it and some serious stretches of some uh, real domination. It was renewed, rekindled, whatever word you want to use last year. Vols pulled off the big upset over Bryce Young and company uh, in uh, in Knoxville last year, back in Tuscaloosa this year, uh, Tennessee's offense not quite as potent. Uh, Alabama still trying to find out who figure out who they are on offense, even though Milrow, mm-hmm. the quarterback, has really taken uh, taken a hold as the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's That's a step st- in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction, but I still still think, I still think both these teams are trying to figure out who they are out who they are on offense. Um, Coach, what do you see in this one, and what do you think Tennessee can do to go back-to-back against Saban and the Tide? Okay, so before I answer that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to address this. Uh, truly, the rivalry is renewed. I, regardless of what happened on the field, maybe the on-the-field portion of it, but don't get it twisted. This rivalry is a lot, has been alive and well since the beginning, of, since the origins of it. Um, when they first started playing this game, third Saturday in October. So um, that rivalry never died. The performance was lackluster on the field. But, yeah, it's there's some true hatred between Alabama and Tennessee fans. Now, as far as this year's game, what can Tennessee do? Uh, defensively, I, I think they need to disrupt what Jalen Milrow does well, which is move around uh, and, and buy time and scramble and, and move the pocket. Uh, I think they need to take advantage of the fact that Tommy Reese is still reading the instruction manual on his quarterback and trying to figure out what what the the, the features are on his on his new weapon there. But uh, 
you know, secondary wise, I, I think, you know, you, you limit Jermaine Burton, who's actually had a quietly had a really nice season. Um, you limit, you, you make things difficult for Alabama. Do not give up big plays. If they're going to score, make them drive. Right. I think Vandy gave themselves a chance. I, I know Vandy and, you know, Tennessee are vastly different programs at vastly different places, but um, the plan is still the same. They made Georgia earn every single first down they got. And they gave themselves – they were within one score at the end of the game. They weren't good enough to pull it off, but they were one. They were within one score in the fourth quarter of the number one team in the country by making them earn their points. And by doing that, Georgia made – Georgia threw almost a pick six, which they tackled at the one and they scored the next play, so pick sort of six. Um, they made mistakes. They uh, – they they kicked more field goals than touch than having touchdowns down in the red area. Um, the more plays you stack up in an offense that doesn't really know what they're doing, I think is trouble and will give Tennessee a chance. And and uh, offensively, offensively, gonna, Joe Milton is exactly who we thought he was going to be. Wildly inconsistent, erratic. wildly inconsistent, and not nearly as accurate as. They want or they need someone to be, frankly, to maximize what Hypo really wants to do. And that's what one of Hendon he Hooker can't throw short passes. Yeah. And, and Hendon Hooker could throw those like the one step quick screen outside the numbers where like you have the two receiver stack and it's just like a one on one block and the other one's going to run. He He would throw those perfectly every time. Milton's throwing them over dudes heads behind guys. Like, you know, and those are they use that in a lot of ways instead of like a proper run game. And it's ineffective. Mm-hmm. It disrupt it disrupts the, the tempo and the timing of, of, of everything when he does that. So they've they've got some answers, too. I, I don't think either team has a great quarterback situation, honestly. And I think Alabama actually has. I never thought I'd say this in this matchup this particular year, but Alabama now has the advantage at the quarterback position because Milrow, I think, is a little more consistent than than Joe Milton is. And they got the home field advantage, too. Yeah, and they've got the home field advantage. So I like Alabama here, um, even though I, it's not out of like the realm the of possibility. It's not outside the realm of possibility, I don't no. think. No, um, no, it's not. I mean, I think the spread is nine and a half, which I think is way too much. Yeah, it feels like um, it should be seven, seven and a half. But – I'm I'm thinking six tops. Okay. Five and a half, six tops. I think this is going to be a field goal game. Again, um, Tennessee's going to have every chance in the world to win it. Can they pull it off? Who knows? Well, we will find out. Uh, another game, though, that I'm interested in, uh, mostly uh, if uh, everything in this matchup really rides on whether Duke quarterback Riley Leonard will play in their game down at the Doke in Tallahassee against Florida State. It looks like he's going to be back. Looks like he might be back. The Elko still hasn't confirmed or denied. He said he was on the right track as of yesterday. So I think if Riley Leonard plays, um, this could be an interesting game um, just because Duke is so disciplined in Florida state, you know, while they they're still undefeated, they still look very, very good. We've seen a couple chinks in the armor um, recently as they haven't been winning, you know, maybe as soundly as some 
as, as some people would like. Uh, I, I guess it's probably the best way to say it. I mean, you know, last week against Syracuse, that, that was fine, but they, they struggled a little bit with Virginia Tech. They left Virginia Tech hang around two weeks ago, and Duke is a team that if you let them hang around, they can, you know, make you really pay for it. So I, I'm curious here, though, Coach, if we get a, a you know, a, a playing Riley Leonard, a Riley Leonard that is good enough uh to you know be at least close to what he was pre-injury do you think that the blue devils have a chance to pull off the upset oh yeah absolutely it'll it'll play out a lot like the notre dame game where um they have a chance at the end and, and it's going to be on them to whether or not they capitalize mm. riley leonard is that dude yes um i i don't know if a lot of people are familiar with duke football but like you watch him play and you watch him elevate the guys around him they're a completely different team when he plays and they're mm-hmm. a gritty team regardless of whether he plays. So like they're going to be physical. They're going to hit Florida state in the mouth. Um, now with Florida state, I, I think they're still relatively immature when it comes to how they're, you know, how they, how they ebb and flow with different teams, like the Virginia tech game. I think that's just a little bit of immaturity, a little bit of that, um, you know, relaxed, mentality of okay this is not quite as tough of a matchup so we probably don't have to probably don't have to get up to level 12 to to win this one um and sometimes that sometimes that doesn't matter some with a veteran team sometimes it doesn't matter they just go out and do their thing and go home and sometimes you get an immature bunch and they make this game those games a little bit more interesting than they should be and I think that's kind of where Florida State is right now because they're not used to being in this position. Uh, but I think if they can get past Duke, I don't see a game that they can lose again this year. Interesting. I, I just don't think they if they beat Duke with a health, healthy Riley Leonard, I just don't see them losing. So, I mean, their, their biggest stumbling blocks would be at Pitt. Um mm-hmm. You know who we just saw beat Louisville. Maybe. I mean, yeah, Pitt, maybe. Is, Pitt is that maybe. team that Pitt is the ACC's yeah. Purdue. They will knock off that high-ranked team when you are least yeah. expecting. Uh, Miami. Maybe we get that. No, not Miami. They get Miami. it. Like that game is a Super Bowl for Florida State every year. I, I don't. I don't think Miami is going to sneak up on any on on them at all. And then I don't know what Florida is going to be is looking like. There's a heated rivalry. Florida, they'll beat the hell out of Florida. I don't know what Florida's going to look like by the end of the year because I feel like they're starting to turn into a mash unit a little bit. Yeah, um, they are. But so, Florida, those, those are two games at Florida State. No matter how bad they are, those games will always be games. That's true. All right, let's head out west uh, for Utah versus USC. USC last week, like we mentioned, uh, they got their – Butts whooped up on by Notre Dame and Notre Dame's excellent defense. Trojans have another tough defense to go against this weekend uh, after they were taken to the woodshed by Notre Dame. Uh, Coach, what odds would you give USC to get up off the mat, take down a Utah team that has been a thorn in their side for a couple seasons now? Yeah, well, I mean, they're going to have to find a way to find some physicality, um, first of all. Like, I, I just. They have not shown that they have any of that. They don't. They're Charmin soft. Um, Alex Greenwich, I don't know what more you need. Uh, it's just not working. Maybe he's a great position coach. He got he got to that point for, for a reason. Whatever reason that is, he needs to go backwards to that step again because it ain't working out for him at, at USC. They're just not physical. They're not good on defense. 
And for them to be able to win this game, Caleb Williams, or for them to be able to win at all, Caleb Williams is going to have to give a Heisman performance every week because that's what it's going to take because defense ain't stopping anybody. So for Utah, I mean, they're just going to, I mean, they're just going to keep, I mean, it's going to be this all night long. Right. And I don't know. I don't know. Like this game is interesting. If USC plays offensively, like they're capable of playing, they can avalanche you a little bit and overwhelm you. And maybe that'll give Utah some problems. And maybe Utah, you know, that's how USC beats you. They just avalanche you and you can't really recover by the time it's over. Um, but when you can get USC, it's when you jump on them early. You get them mm-hmm. making mistakes. You get them back on their heels a little bit, and you get that defense. You get that defense going. And when I say going, like going backwards. So uh, for Utah, I think whatever game plan they had in the Pac-12 championship last year, dust that bad boy off and, and go right back at them because they're the same Sherman soft defense that they always been. Yeah. And they got beat up on the offensive line as, as well last week. Mm-hmm. And Utah has some dudes in their front seven. Mm-hmm. So I, I suggest that they lean on said dudes and bully ball them because they haven't shown that they can bully really anyone uh, as no. of late. So, all right, well, let's uh, finish it off. Tie one on for the road here, coach, uh, where we talk about one other game or thing you're going to be watching for this weekend. I am out of the Mountain West. Uh, I don't know if, y'all saw Colorado State's incredible comeback against Boise State last week. That was uh, absolutely bonkers, bonkers stuff out of Colorado State. Uh, Coming back to win 31 to 30 uh, over uh, over the Bronx uh, at home. Uh, They were down by uh, they were down 30 to 10 with six minutes left or five uh, five minutes left and scored 21 straight points uh, quickly and ended up pulling out the wind Uh, highlight uh, Torrey Horton, who is wide receiver for the Rams. He is one of the leading receivers in the country, Uh, 690 yards um, and six touchdowns already this season through six games. And he has just been, uh, you know, one of the most underappreciated, I think, superstars that we have at, uh, you know, especially at the wide receiver position. He can, you know, make a pretty good claim that he is the top group of five receiver in the country. And, you know, he had the chance last year to hit the portal after an all-conference season and head on out to pretty much wherever he wanted to go. But he stuck it out at Colorado State and good for him because he is uh, really just uh, lighting things up uh, in general for the Rams, but they're playing one of the most surprising teams in the country this weekend. Uh, and that is the UNLV uh, running Rebs. Uh, the rebels are uh, five and one now after mm. another. Uh, Who's coaching the Rebs? Uh, Barry Odom. Oh, Oh, it's good. Co- uh, makes sense. Yeah. It makes it a all, lot of sense. It all it, it, that everything they've done. Makes mm-hmm. sense. I, I did not realize he was their coach. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And uh, Barry Odom and them boys uh, have 
won since losing to Michigan uh, 35 to seven. They've put up more than 40 points in four straight weeks. Uh, They beat Vanderbilt, have beat Utah, Hawaii and Nevada as well, scoring more than 40 points in every game along the way. And their, you know, their defense, while no great shakes, is a huge improvement year over year, which is zero surprise when you add Barry Odom, who is still an excellent defensive mind um, to that team. Super well-balanced team. So it's, you know, one of the most exciting teams in Colorado State heading out to one of the most surprising teams, UNLV. And that's going to be a really fun one on Saturday night out in the desert. So I'm looking forward to that this weekend. Uh, What about you, Corey? All right, you know how Publix has the buy two get one free mm-hmm. on the on the cokes on it's the cokes like, Euros? Uh, yeah, so like it's like every like six or eight weeks they do that. Yeah, well they yeah. got it going on right now because I just bought some like a couple nights ago. Um, oh, by the way, I won the Burton Bowl. Congratulations! Uh, it was a, it was the JV game where uh, James Lawson came over to Innsworth. Oh, if good. You, well, I'm glad you, to hear. I'm very glad to hear that. Yeah, it was twenty eight twenty eight thirteen was. Okay. Well, all had time to run up, but um, we got a quick 28 and then we put our freshman others in our mm. payers, like our, our like guys that probably aren't going to play past Mondays ever. Uh, and they scored, they scored twice, but. Well, that's okay. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I say that cause I got a three pack. Okay. Right. But I'm, we're going to buy two. We're going to get one free. Get one okay. Free. I love it. Um, so, so the one that I'm really excited about is the Hugh Freeze Bowl, the Ole Miss okay. versus Auburn uh, on, on the Plains. I, I think that's mm-hmm. going to be a very interesting contest. Uh, it's a six-and-a-half-point game in favor of Ole Miss, but we all know that that's eh, it's going to be a little tighter uh, than we think because of this is Hugh Freeze's Super Bowl. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, Clemson versus Miami, just an interesting matchup. Um, two coaches that are considered – doofuses right now um are, are playing against each other uh see if clemson can kind of reclaim a little bit of their season uh because they're, they're having a rough go at it um in a very weak very weak conference and then my my get one free is on the west coast oregon uh, they're not going to have much time to moat because they they welcome uh wazoo to uh to Austin stadium and they have to kind of you know they, they can't sit back and moat because wazoo will We'll uh, punch them in the mouth if they do. So that's going to be an interesting game. See if Bo Nix and, and Oregon can bounce back um, in, in the way that we all know that they can and should be able to. Um, but this this game should be this game should be very very interesting because I think Wazoo will will give them a very 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 good contest. Yeah, and uh, speaking of uh, West Coast football, uh, one thing to to note, I, I'm interested just to see if. UCLA's offense continues to struggle. If Dante Moore continues to struggle against Stanford uh, on Saturday, I won't be surprised if he's pulled for either Ethan Garbers or uh, Colin Schley uh, because he, while we know he's the future there, he has been atrocious against uh, Pac-12 opponents this year, like genuinely atrocious. So he is, well, he's, you know, he, he's definitely got a lot of, uh, promise he's he's only completing 45.5 percent of his passes in conference games this year and that's that's not going to cut it for the five-star freshman he has looked really rough really rough especially against utah and oregon state in their two losses 
there. So uh, I'm, right. I'm just something I'm keeping an eye on. I still think that, you know, the, the coaching staff still clearly has, you know, faith in him uh, to be the guy moving forward. But, you know, if they're trying to establish something out of this year with the finishing schedule that they have, which is, you know, uh, w- which is tough, it's definitely not, you know, easy sledding on the schedule for the Bruins uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, Colorado, we know they're good. Arizona has been uh, a revelation second half of the year. Still got USC. I mean, it's definitely... You know, if they want, you know, they have a chance to win out, I think, just because USC is so Charmony soft. (laughs) Um, But they're going to need better quarterback play. And, you know, they have a chance to make a make a run, albeit probably not one for the conference title game because of previous losses to Utah and Oregon State. But, you know, they could still finish 10 and 2, maybe make a New Year's 6 game if everything breaks right for them. And, so it's just sort of an interesting dilemma that Chip Kelly has on his hands. Yeah. And I'm getting a note from Josh about his one for the road. He's actually oh. listening in live somehow. Oh, wonderful. Um, he, uh, his one for the road is Northwestern versus Nebraska. He's really excited about that game. He's Big got game. his, he's got his Northwestern Cubs hat and he's ready, ready to roll. So um, just wanted to pass that note on there. Oh. He's just, he's just super jazzed. Like he's, he's, he's wondering why that's not the big new kickoff game. That's true. I mean, that is uh, it, well, I think it would be an appropriate place for urban Meyer to, to end up in yeah. the middle of nowhere, covering two and nowhere teams <laughs> that both begin with N. So yes. I think that is where we are going to uh, finish it off here tonight on the illegal motion college football podcast. So, um, thanks for tuning in on the Believe Network, um, MikeFarrellSports.com, or wherever you are consuming this. Thank you again to BetOnline.ag. And uh, on behalf of the man who is not here today, uh, our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois, and our own offensive coordinator, Coach Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm Matt Perkins saying so long, and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Go dogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.